Everyone has a unique gift, and Mike, the creator of the One Life podcast, believes most people don't know how to use their gifts or what they are. Mike wants you to see things from a different perspective and be true to yourself. The One Life podcast unites the world through art, fashion, music, and film. It inspires, motivates, and creates positive energy, love, and compassion to all communities and creates an equal playing field for all. On the One Life podcast, they cover topics like building relationships, overcoming adversity, habits of healthy people, and much, much more. We only have one life to live. Be yourself and live your truth. Add the One Life podcast to your playlist. That's the number one NE Life. Available on Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcast, and your favorite podcast platform. What's up, y'all? I am Mike MIC Reed, and this is the One Life Podcast, where we talk about positive psychology while taking care of our well-being and telling your story because everyone has an amazing story. And in studio today, we have Lisa Sarno, executive coach, motivational speaker on leadership, positive psychology, and organizational consultant. Oh, my Did I miss anything? No, you got it all. Actually, you do have more titles. I just didn't want to write it all. (laughs) I got that from your LinkedIn page. You do have a okay. bunch of titles. I do, right? That talks about how, how long I've been out there. You know? Okay. You how, know much, how much experience there's that I've had in the past. And so, I mean, you know, I've been blessed. You to, have been blessed. Yeah, I have been blessed. And you I know, really do feel that way. You know what I tell people when they say, who is Lisa? Uh-oh. Because I never really <laughs> know how to answer that. I say, you know what? I look at Lisa as the fixer. Oh, you know what? Thank you for saying that. Like when all the political people and like the whole area has problems, they go to you. Mm, you know what? Thank you. I have been known to be sent into yes. problematic situations and have been asked to make it right or make it better, right? But as a fixer, if that's the path you follow, and I know there are other people out there that do that, it's not always an easy one. It's not. That, mm-hmm. I, I was just about to make that comment. Like, that's, that's a specific skill set that <laughs> uh, like maybe 0.1% of the people in the world have. Well, you know what? Um, I started doing that not by choice. It was basically something that I you know, fell into mm-hmm. and was asked to do. And without realizing it, that's, that ended up being the path I took. And when you're asked to go into problematic situations, I think you probably recognize this, Mike, you're going into something that, you know, might be a little messy. Yes. And so people um, don't like the fact that you're coming in and shining light on what they either didn't do or the things that they shouldn't have done. Right. Right. And so, you know, of course, when that happens, you as the person that's in there trying to make it better, they have to make it about you because if they make it about you, then, you know, it, it diverts and, di- you know, basically redirects right. anything that's being talked, you know, shown on them as far of, of what they didn't do. So, you know, to all of you out there that are fixers, thank you very much. And thank you for all the work that you do because I know it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> and But you know what? You guys are important, right? But, I mean, <laughs> we're including you into that too because oh, you okay. are important <laughs> and you're good at it. Mm. Well, thank you for saying that, but you know, here's what I'm going to say. Every situation's a little different. Yeah. And every situation, you know, with respect, I can't speak for anybody else, but I know that every situation that I've been asked to to kind of go into or that I've worked on, I've had to learn lessons. You know, I've I've had to grow. I've had to learn things that I didn't think I ever would, you know, have the opportunity to find out about. But you know what I've learned about you? 
um, just by hearing you speak, <laughs> and I've heard you speak on a couple of occasions, is that, and this was, in my opinion, what what makes you great is that oh my goodness, you you can adapt. Mm. Flexibility, lot, yeah, you have that flexibility. You can adapt in any situation. Well, you know what? I think everybody has the ability to adapt. It's it whether is. or not they want to, right? True. Everybody has the ability to be a good leader. It's whether or not they recognize what they have to do to be a good leader, right? True. So, I mean, thank you for saying that. And you're being, I'm kind of getting a little shy here because you're (laughs) right. (laughs) It's true. I mean, you know, you're being really, really kind to me. So thank you. Cause I've never been kind to you. No, I'm talking about in general. (laughs) Oh my God, Mike, I'm talking about in general. I mean, you know, um, it's not often when Mm. you do the kind of work when you're out there doing work, um, you know, that you don't always get, if you will, Oh yeah, I give the, the gratitude, right? right? So thank you very much for for saying all those nice things about me. I really truly well, appreciate. Well, no, I mean, it. I appreciate you because you've been an inspiration to me. <laughs> because you was part of the first cohort out here in the CAP program, and I'm part of the second one. And um, and ever since I, the first time that I heard you speak at our at our class, you know, you just stuck out. And, I disconnected. I with stuck you. out like a sore thumb. Well, no, it, but it's like how we was talking off off air about how you know, um, and even what you just said. Most people don't know um, what to do in the leadership roles, right? They don't know what comes with that. Everybody wants to be a leader, right? But as far as the work that actually comes with it, they don't want to do. Well, you know what I like. I said. I mean, you know, every opportunity is an opportunity for growth. And we hear this all the time, but it's absolutely true. If you stop learning, you stop growing. True. And so every every situation you're in, there's always a lesson mm-hmm. to be learned. And whether or not you can actually see that lesson at the time, it may be that, you know, you're in a situation where you can't actually see that lesson at that moment. Right. right? But then afterwards, you're like, oh, the light bulb went on. You went, oh, okay, now I get it. I get it. And then you can utilize it for the next situation or the next adventure that you're, you know, that you kind of undertake, right? right? So um, we have a lot of, like I always tell everybody, everybody has the ability to be a leader. And, you know, everybody has the ability to be a good leader. It's really up to the individual what kind of leader you want to be. And a lot of people, Mike, don't even understand there are different leadership qualities. Right. There's different leadership styles, Right. And you have to figure out what your own leadership style is. And some people like to be at the front. They some people love just to want be the, at the front. They just want the title. Some people do. But there are others that, that lead from a quiet place. Right. Right? And so um, that's always, but it depends. Like, I want to ask you, what kind of leader do you think you are? I don't know. <laughs> because I, I don't consider myself a leader. Okay, we'll see. Remember, Therein it's lies. never about me. Mm. I preach that a lot. It's never about me. But it is about you, too, because you're in the situation. You're there for a reason. But you know what? I, this is where I see myself like you. It's like the first time I heard you speak at our class, right? I think Lewis had, had said, I think it was you and maybe four or five other people from your class. Mm. And when it was time for you guys to speak, everybody just kind of looked at each other. You were the first person, and I'm kind of like this. You were just like, well, I'll go first. Like, you just jump into it. <laughs> Like, you know, no hesitation. You just go, right? That's how I am, especially, like, when we're in a group setting. Like, I've always been the guy that, you know, when you go to an event or whatever, and you're with a group of people, or then we're in a parking lot, and people say, okay, what's next? And everybody just kind of look at each other. 
I'm the one that's always jumping. Okay, well, let's do this. You know, I, I start throwing things at the, on the table. Well, you know what? And that's a very important, you play a very important role. I think part of it is that when you're asked to do something like that or when people ask you to, to speak or to take the lead, I, I think I'm like you in the sense that I always wait to see if anybody else wants to do it, right? And if there's a hesitation or pause and there's a reluctance, then yeah, somebody needs to take that first right. step, right? And so it doesn't mean that I, that I can't speak for you, but it doesn't mean that I, I need to take the first step or that I'm always wanting to, th- to take the first step, but it doesn't mean that I can't, right? right? So a lot of people um, sometimes misunderstand um, people who are out there that are leaders that don't take immediate step forward. And, you know, that's a good thing, though. That's because they're waiting to see who else they can support um, that's taking a leadership role. Mm -hmm. You don't always have to be, I feel, you don't always have to be at the forefront to be supportive, to be, if you will, a leader. You can support the person that's in the lead. Yes. Because a lot of times they're going to need the help, Mm -hmm. right? They're going to need that support. So, um, you know, and... You know, it also depends on any situation you go into. If you're at the front, sometimes you get all the arrows, right? So sometimes you need to be able to support that person that's up in front and help them when they're getting all those arrows. But I find that a lot in a lot of situations, and this happens a lot in the political world and also in community service, sometimes when, our, when leaders get into trouble, um, a lot of people kind of disappear, Right? disappear Mm -hmm. and then they're out there by themselves and without a life raft right and you know that's kind of unfair i think that's kind of unfair you got to support those people that are willing to take that step forward you know and and i felt that in my production days um i remember um i had a team of people that i used to work with and there's one individual actually and he kind of spreaded it he used to get mad at me because he all he he would always say why does everything have to be my way and one day I had to have a, a meeting and, like, and explain it to them. Like, listen, it never has to be my way. It, but whenever there's a problem, no one speaks up. So I'm always the one that's like, okay, well, here's a, a solution. Not saying it's the right solution, but this is the only way I know how to do it. Now, if you have a better solution, put it on the table. Let's talk about it. But oh, no, one, no one put anything on the table. I was the only one that put something on the table. So if I'm the only one that's putting an option on the table, then that's what I'm going to go with. Well, you know, what you were doing is you were giving people options, right? right? But sometimes what happens is people decide, and, and I found this to be the case, not all the time, but occasionally you find the case where they probably have another way to do it. But taking responsibility exactly. for having to do it that way, right? And being accountable. Accountable, yep. Right? So um, I always used to share with the folks that I work with and teams that I worked with, you know, I always talked about the RAAs. And the RAAs are responsibility, mm-hmm. accountability, and then authority, mm-hmm. right? you got to have all three right. to make something happen, truly make something happen. I mean, you know, if you have the responsibility, you're going to be accountable. Yes, but if you don't have the authority to make it happen, what happens? Nothing. Nothing, right. <laughs> Nothing. It's like, you know, make sure you have all three. For those of us that are leaders out there, you got to make sure that you have all three, mm-hmm. right, in order to be successful. I and guess, yeah, because I, af- I wasn't afraid of tank accountability. Like, if it didn't work, it didn't work. Okay, but well, at least I tried. Mm-hmm. At least I did something. Mm-hmm. 
I just didn't sit there. Like, you know what I mean? Because if we all just sit there, then nothing, it's 100%, nothing's going to happen. Yeah, and you know that old adage, you, how do you know success without failure? Right. Right? So you got to try, and even if it doesn't work, you try again. Yeah. You take the lessons from the you first time. Learn the lesson, right. And then you try again. And if it doesn't work a second time, then you keep going until something actually mm. happens, right? Um, but, you know, we're human, and um, I certainly am. And so, you know, at times it can be really daunting and become overwhelming, especially when you're in that situation where you've tried a couple of times. And yeah. It's just not working, right? And that's happened. I think that's happened to a lot of us. But then um, I call it hibernation. Mm -hmm. I tend to take a step back and I hibernate for a little, bit, a little bit. And I kind of look at and analyze everything that didn't happen, that should have happened. And then I'm like, okay, let me take the time to regroup. And then you come back. But I think a lot of times people forget that it's okay to kind of take a step back sometimes. Just don't right. stay there. Yeah. yeah. Do not stay there, Right. So I have a question for you, Mike. So what was the best thing, um, what was the one aha epiphany moment that was the best thing for you from the second cohort, from the classes, from the well-being classes? I'm not, I'm not sure what, what's going on right now. <laughs> like, you're the second person that started asking me questions. <laughs> I'm supposed to be asking other questions. Well, you know, no, it's a shared uh, situation right okay. now, right? What's my aha? Yeah. What was the, what, we've had many in those classes. We've yes. had a lot of ahas. But what was the one big one for you that you'll never forget? Oh. Um, it's kind of hard being on the other side, isn't it? It when is. <laughs> it is. It is. The one big aha moment for me, um, I want to say, um, that when I really started um, using the tool of um, asking myself, okay, what went well today at the end of the day? Huh? And by that, I really started putting myself first. Okay. When you say, you mean the little moments that actually worked, and then if you put them all together, yes. it ends you up being You string them all together. It's yes. a big deal. So I, your I, day was better than you thought it was. Better right? than I thought it was. And by that, um, I really started, because remember, before the class, I never put myself first. Like, I've always struggled with it. I always put everybody first. I was that fixer guy, right? But then I took the class. And even when I went into the class, my mindset of going into the class was, okay, I'm going to learn this positive psychology, and I'm going to help everybody, and, you know, <laughs> I'm going to change the world, <laughs> right? But then halfway through it, it was like, it, it was like therapy on steroids for me. Really? Okay. Yes, 100%. <laughs> like, okay. there was a time where I wanted to quit, but then I was like, no, because I, I saw the light at the tunnel. And it really made me realize that, no, I have to put myself first. I have to have boundaries now. And was it hard? Yes. Why? Because I was so used to helping <laughs> everybody else. Like, cause I, mm. I never, like, like I was just saying earlier, like, it's never about me. Like, you know, cause I'm so wired on helping everybody else. And I, I think it's, it comes from my childhood when, um, I was always in search of that love and being positive and being good because I was, I, I grew up around so much negativity and violence and just, just this negative space, but I always knew that there was a better space out there. And so you wanted to help create that better space. Yes. 
You know, have you found, just real curious, but in the work, you know, in the decades of work, I'm not going to date myself or age myself right now, but in the decades of work that, you know, in being out there, I found that a lot of people who are committed to community work in some ways may have gone through, if you will, Mm -hmm. challenging situations themselves. And so, therefore, they don't want to see anybody else have to go through the same thing they did. So that that's the commitment, right, that they have. And, and and it's kind of like you were talking about, you put them first versus yourself first because right. you don't ever want somebody else to have to go through what you went through. Is right. that kind of what you're talking 100%, about? 100%, yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't want, especially my kids. Like the way I was raised and, and you know, grew up, I never wanted my kids to go through or feel, felt what I felt. Mm-hmm. Like it was just a horrible experience. And um, I think I did a great job with that, me and, me and her mother. Um, and And just anybody in general too. But it was mainly my kids, but yeah, everybody in general. Like, I, I didn't want to recreate that space. So share with me one of uh, those positive moments when that happened for you. When you put somebody else first. You need your own podcast. You know? no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm interested in hearing. You know? When I put someone else first? Yeah. Tell me one of the best things that ever happened to you where you felt like you fulfilled that commitment to, to service. That you really helped somebody else, you know, get something done. You're, there's probably plenty of them, and you're probably thinking about all of them right now. But just pick one for me. <laughs> um, doing this show, okay. Honestly, um, and and this what it was really getting comments from. Um, in the beginning of doing this show, um, I used to I was getting comments from people saying, "Hey, I really needed to hear that today," mm-hmm. and that was like me, just being honest and authentic and just talking, having a conversation. And for someone to say, wow, I listened to your show and I thank you. Like I needed to hear that today was fulfilling for me because I I made a difference in someone's life that day. And that's why you continue to do this. Yes. Even though sometimes it can be challenging, right? hundred percent. I wouldn't even change it. So thank you for doing that. And for all the listeners out there and all the people who watch your podcast on behalf of them. Thank you, Mike. Oh, Thank you. Absolutely. I Appreciate mean, you know, it. it's hard when you're, when, you know, there's lots of obstacles in your way to continue to do something, but because you love it and because of what you just said, there are people that are listening and they're saying to you, thank you, because they needed to hear that, you know. Are you tearing up on me? Oh, my God. You're not supposed <laughs> to be looking at me like that, Lisa. I was just about to say are you're you about to give, me? get me all okay, emotional don't do over that, here. Because I'm going to end up getting emotional and that's not what this is all about. But, but you know what? Seriously. Thank you. No. You know, I mean, not everybody has the fortitude to keep going, right? No, I mean, it, it is hard because we, we still, and I was talking to um, one of my, the sponsor of the show um, earlier uh, about that, is that we, our struggles never really go away. Mm-mm. Like, we're still going to always have triggers, no matter what, because we can't control one other people or the world like we're going to continue we're in this world with eight billion people there's there's going to be struggles and adversities and so they're going to be triggers throughout the day mm-hmm. and how do you overcome that some days we do and some days someday, we don't. yeah some days we do but we yeah. but on the even on the bad days we, we we accept it we we embrace it and we get through it the best way we can and you're absolutely right but to be fair it's not always easy right it's not no, and sometimes, you know, you need another person to say, you're okay. Yes. You're doing all right. You know, 
It may be a little tough right now, but you're going to you're going to be all right. You know, we don't always have that person though. Yeah, we don't. You know? I mean, we have family, it's true, and and we love them, and we have good friends, but every once in a while, you just need a stranger to come up and say, "You're doing okay." Mm. You know? Um, they don't need to know everything else. They just need to know one thing about you and, and just tell you, you know what, you're doing good. And that sometimes for me is like, oh, somebody noticed. Yes, no. <laughs> you know, somebody noticed that I'm really okay. You know, thank you for saying that, right? I'm, I'm okay. I really am okay. Mm. And um, for me, you know, during the first cohort of the well-being, and thank you, City of Palmdale, yes. um, you know, the aha, the biggest aha moment, and I know a lot of my, um, you know, classmates have heard me say this millions of times, and also when we do workshops with students now, this is always my kind of visual for them, my analogy for them. You know, there was a map, you recall, there's a detour map. Did uh-huh. you guys see that in your second cohort? Yeah. Um, yeah, where you can have a certain um, frame of mind, and then you can take that detour and get off. Mm-hmm. What I, what I It's share, called the choice map. Yes, yeah. I call it the detour map. Okay. <laughs> and and what I what I tell the young folks in, in you know in the schools when we do the workshop the well being workshops is, you know the visual is for me it was easier for me my mind is like a freeway sometimes, mm-hmm. and it's got so much stuff it's got so much traffic in there all the stuff you know in these lanes and it's bumper to bumper traffic, I have a choice of staying in that traffic, or taking that first exit. Getting inching towards that first exit and getting off that first exit, right? All right. And I tell myself, and I and I share with with you know the students, if you take that first exit, you probably will. It may take a little longer because you know um, you're you're taking some detours, but the reality is it's better than sitting in bumper to bumper traffic with all this stuff swirling <sighs> around in your mm-hmm. head, because the scenery is probably prettier. Right. It's more you know idyllic. And you're, you're going to be more peaceful because you're not sitting in a bumper-to-bumper traffic. And your mind is kind of like that. And so sometimes we can get, or I find myself, getting stuck in the freeway that is my mind with all the stuff that I need to do, right? And thinking, how do I get out? How, what, what do I need to unload? <laughs> what do I need mm. to unload so that I can actually start moving forward? Right. And I start looking for that exit. That was the one thing that for me, was the true aha moment in the well-being courses and the well-being class for me is when I realized, you know what, I can, I can reframe this for myself. I don't need to be stuck. Mm-hmm. And every time I'm on, I'm on the freeway now, you know, the freeways, right? Oh, my goodness, you can get stuck for an hour from here, right, from Palmdale yeah. to L.A., right? So now it's like, you know what, I'm going to take that freeway. I have my, my phone, my Google's map. Let's see what other scenery is out there. <laughs> so I actually do use it also when um, I'm in the car. Mm. But, um, you know, when I, when I share that with the students, they, I can see that they get it. Right. You know, you don't have to be stuck in your own head. Yeah. You know, you can find a way to to have a more peaceful and calm mm. situation for yourself. Yeah. And that is something that I think a lot of us don't do for ourselves. Right. We get in the cycle. You know, I, I think in that in that um, case, like I think I was very blessed at a young age to, I think, understand that. Um, because being on my own since I was 14 in the neighborhood that I grew up in, like I didn't like it. I was, for some reason, I, I don't know 
where it came from or how, but I was smart enough to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going a different route, different path. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I'm going, how I'm going to get there, but I know it's better than this sitting here and staying here. I'm going to go create my happiness. And that's the most important thing. We have choices, right? Right. But sometimes I think for our younger folks, sometimes we have to share with them what some of the choices can be for them. Yeah. Right? And I think one of the things that, you know, I don't know about you, but I think even leaders, you know, today, they have a situation where it's called smiling depression. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever heard smiling depression? Like? No, but I could probably relate to it. <laughs> Okay. I smile at people face all the time, but it's like I'm <laughs> well, you know what? dying in and inside. We we have a lot of folks um, that you know, actors, celebrities. Mm-hmm. Um, Robin Williams was one, right? right? Yeah. Jim Carrey's another one, mm-hmm. and you know, um, a lot of them smile through their depression. So the yeah. whole world thinks that they're doing great, yeah. But personally, they're truly struggling, mm-hmm. and you know, I find that a lot with our our leaders, our political leaders. Um, you know, they're, they're great at making speeches. They're great at what they do publicly, but privately they're really suffering. Yeah. And our kids are the same way, right? And one, one, what are the reasons? Because one, they don't want to feel like they're, be, they're being a burden to other people. Two, because if you're in a job situation, you don't want your bosses to think that you're not capable of doing the job. And three, it's just they may not even know themselves that they may be going through a depression, mm. right? So they're smiling through it because they think that's how they're going to get through it. Right. And so I think that a lot of, um, I learned, I've learned over the course of the last several years that that is something that a lot of people don't even recognize, that they may be going through it themselves. And they're really struggling, but they don't have, they don't want to tell anybody. Right. So when they're out with their friends, when they're out at work, when they're in school with their, you know, their, their classmates, they're smiling away and pretending they're really okay when they're not. I, I went through that through, I think, my whole, um, most of my life, you know, until I finally went to therapy. And my therapist opened my eyes to it. And what was the one thing that your therapist said to you that really made sense to you about that particular situation, about you having smiling depression? How did they tell you? So we're talking about it, but share with me how you get out of it. How do I get out of it? Mm, or how do how you make yourself better when you have the smiling depression as I smile? <laughs> <laughs> now? Now. I have my jolts of joys. There you go. Okay, and, and just remind everybody what jolts of joys are. It's if you love Eating chocolate ice cream, it makes you happy. Like, mm. if you love reading a book, going on a hike, you know, going on a long drive, the, the little simple things in life that you can go do to bring you back into that, that space that um, makes, you, makes you, your eyes sparkle. And Did you understand Jolts of Joy before you took the class? No. Right. Me too. Me too. And, and once that happened, it was like, oh, Okay, and it's like what you said. You write down at the end of the day, right, all those little things that yeah. worked out right, yeah. that were your jokes of joy. And I share that, too, with, with the students that we do the workshops with. It's like your day wasn't so bad. I, I tell people that all the time. I say, fine, start off, and start off with the simplest thing. Yeah, I exactly. woke up today. Exactly. I slept, in a war- I slept in a bed. I had a roof <laughs> over my head. You string all those little things together, and it's like, oh, yeah, that little problem is now, that big problem that you thought it was is now a small problem. Okay. Sometimes, yes, but 
you know what? Here's the thing. The big problems, again, they may be huge, mm-hmm. but when you string all the little jolts of joy together, your day really wasn't that bad. It wasn't, yeah. And so, I mean, I know that, you know, I keep a little notebook beside my bed now, and I write down 10 things. I, I put a minimum of 10 things before mm. I go to bed, right, of things that were good. And just little things. It could be, you know what? I didn't have a hard time in traffic today. I had my favorite tacos, right? Or my cup of coffee was really good this morning, mm. right? I enjoyed my fur babies, right? You know, I came home and it was unconditional love and they were so happy to see me. If I start looking at that, I go to bed every night now feeling better about myself. And it's funny because I've really had to train myself to do that, though. It doesn't come naturally. Yeah, it don't. It's like, you ha- it's the tiny habits, right? You got to make that a tiny habit. Yes. Yeah, and, and you thank- have to anchor it to something. Yeah, and thank you, Louis, Alora, and Talma. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> for sharing that with us, right? I mean, um, and, and the more we can tell people about that, the better, right? But again, you know, there's a lot of people out there that might be next to you, and we, you probably talk about this on all your, you know, a lot of your shows, but that smiling depression is very real. It's real. Right. And people are joking around, and they seem like great. They've got great energy, but they may be really suffering. And, you know, one thing I learned in therapy um, is a lot, a lot of these people, like including myself, like I didn't know it at the time. Like I didn't even know that's what mm-hmm. I was doing because I had thought that I, I buried things and put it behind me. I was cause like when he first, you know, asked me about my, uh, my mother and my childhood, I was like, oh, yeah, that don't bother me. Like I don't forget. I only think about it. But he, he said this quote, and I, I have it in one of my journals on. I got I to gotta find it somewhere because it, it's something that really stuck with me, even though I can't remember what it was. But it was similar to, um, he said, um, buried thoughts or something never die. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And when he explained that to me, he was like, yeah, you, you may have buried those feelings or your thoughts, but they're, mm-hmm. they're still alive. And he said, yeah. the longer, he said, at some point, there's going to be an explosion. The longer you hold it in, the bigger the explosion. Can I share with you? It's absolutely true. You know what I call that? I call that my generational baggage, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I, you know, not only do I have my own baggage from my own childhood, right. from my own adult life, right, that I'm carrying that, you know, I need to kind of work through, but there may be, you know, um, situations that you've, that was put on you, if you will, or shared with you while you were growing up from your parents or even from your grandparents or from people around you. And all of a sudden, you're carrying all that. Yeah. It's de- you bury it. It's deep down inside. But it follows you into your everyday life as yes. an adult, right? And so um, generational baggage for me is it's like, um, it's like these major you know, trunks that they had in the old days, right? It's not the kind where you have the wheels. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the luggage where you now you can wheel through the airports, right? These are these steamer trunks, what I call steamer trunks. Yeah. And, you know, once you are able to dig down deep and find some of those buried steamer trunks and haul it to wherever you need to haul it and start unloading, well, you feel a whole lot better. But you know what? You have to understand that you actually are carrying some of that stuff, right? The problem, I don't know about you, but the problem for me was I had to figure out that I was actually holding on to this. Yes. Right? And I didn't even know that I was. I didn't either. That's what I'm saying. I didn't know I was still holding on. I, I, I literally thought I just buried it and it was just done. Well, you know, it's taken me decades, mm-hmm. decades to figure out I really needed to unload. Yeah. Right? To deal with my own baggage, 
right? I had to unload some of the ones that wasn't even mine. Yeah. And um, and I had to figure out part of the part of the hard part is figuring out what it is. Yeah. Right? Because we've buried it so deep, we don't even understand how it's impacting us at this point in time. Right. Right. So we're talking about this, and everybody's probably thinking, "Well, how do I figure out what baggage I'm carrying?" Right. Right. So what would you say to them? Um, <laughs> asking me all these hard <laughs> questions. <laughs> I'm not used to this. <laughs> Am I? Well, this is a shared conversation, right? <laughs> I mean, yes and no. <laughs> share with me. Share with me, Mike. What, um, would you, what would you say to people? They say, well, I don't even know what that is, so how can I figure it out? How can I find out? It, it's having a, having a conversation with somebody, mm. talking about your past and your experiences. And, and through these conversations, it, it'll come out. Okay. And what's that safe place? What's that psychological safe place for you? My psychological safety space? Mm-hmm. What do you mean? <laughs> so where is your psychological safe space where you feel you can actually talk about these things? You don't know? No, I'm asking. Here. Here. Okay. On this show. That's why I do this. Okay. This, well, this, this is my psychological, like, I feel like I, I can talk about anything, and I have been open and vulnerable and honest about everything. And for everybody, it may be different, right? Right, you know, true. And, you know, I, I, I share this with some of my friends, and they laugh at me, but it's like, my psychological safe space is my fur babies, my pets, right? I go home, and I just start talking, and they're looking at me, and, you know, they're staring at me, and they're like, what is she talking about? But I know they're <laughs> listening because they're staring at they're me. Right, at right? And then once it's all out, I feel better. <laughs> you know, and, and I know people laugh at me, but it's true, right? Everybody has their but, own psychological you know safe space. That's a great example of, because I was just talking, like I said, to my sponsor that was on the uh, segment right before this, and we was talking about how most people just want to be heard. A lot of people, and this is why I, I tell people all the time, like, you can come vent to me, right? Like, because I'm not going to give you advice. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm just going to listen. Listening is the most important thing in a conversation or communication. And so your, your fur babies, they're <laughs> not going to give you advice. They're not going to talk back to you. They're not going to tell you what to do. They're just listening, that's, that's the simplest right. thing. That is absolutely and, right. And when you're talking, and that's why I say most people just want to be heard, because if you, let, if you just let people talk, they're going to talk through it, and then something's going to click, and they're going to feel so much better. Mm -hmm. Or they'll figure it out in yes. that process, right? Right. So, yeah, and, you know, honestly, to be fair, sometimes when I'm talking to friends and I'm sharing things, they do try to give advice. We're all like that. Yeah. I'm like that, too, right? I mean, we, we have a tendency. And sometimes yeah. I'm just like, I just need you to listen. Mm -hmm. And that's why my fur babies work for me. My pets work yeah. for me. Because, you know. They don't talk about well, that's not quite accurate. Some people who are pet owners out there, you know, they do talk to you at times. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, in, in their body language, in the way, you know, they, they either if you have a cat or whatever, they're purring, they're just trying to make you comfortable. They're trying to give you and show you love, right? So everybody has their own psychological space. But, yeah, I mean, to figure out what, we, what baggage we're carrying that we shouldn't, you got to talk it through. You're absolutely yes. right. But you know what? It's feeling safe in the place to do that, yeah. right? And not everybody feels safe. No, you have to have that one person, like you said earlier, that support. Yeah. Most of us don't have it, um, but you have to find it. And it's hard sometimes. It is. And sometimes it may take, you know, it, you can try with different people until you find that one person. And you know what? 
I feel like I have the support now, especially with this cap class. Like I've, I've had, I have a couple of um, people from that class that calls me all the time, checks on me and asks if I want to talk or, you know, uh, but it's also hard that, you know, that they're there, but it's still hard to make that call because you don't want to bother nobody. Cause you don't want to feel right? like you're burdening anybody. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that's a challenging part. That's, that's still a challenge for me. Like matter of fact, when I came in here today, I don't know why Brenda um, over here at Pretty Little Poppy, she came up to me. She's like, Mike, how are you doing? Because when I walk in, I said, she asked me, and I was like, oh, I'm doing all right. But then she followed me in here to the studio, and she was like, no, how are you doing? She's like, Mike, you know you can talk to me anytime. So it's things like that, and it's like, I know I can call Brenda. Mm-hmm. But do I want to burden her because I know, you know, what she goes through and, you know, running her place, and everybody has their own struggles. So sometimes I don't want to burden people. And then what do you do? Then I go to my jokes of joys where I, I know, like, re, like I love reading now. Mm-hmm. Like, the book I'm reading right now is called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. It talks about neuro, neuroscience, uh, neurofit. Oh, my God. What's the word? Uh, I don't know. You tell me. What's the word? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it, call, it, it talks about the quantum physics and neuroscience and your brain. Oh my gosh, now you're getting like really out there for me, but I know. Oh, it's incredible. I'm very intrigued with (laughs) it. No, because I I was just telling somebody earlier, like once you start understanding how your brain works, then you have an understanding of why people do the things they do, why you react to certain things. And, you know, because from our um, prefrontal cortex, that's how we all live anyways. It's all from our memories and our experiences. That's true. And, you know, my favorite Buddha quote is, you only speak of what you know from your prefrontal cortex. But if you listen, you're going to learn something. <laughs> I like that. I'll have to remember that. You know I mean? But I see, like that makes sense. That's what I'm saying. If you, if you really start to understand how the brain works, like that's how we live every day. It's familiar, familiarity. Familiarity. Thank you. You're I can't talk today. <laughs> but like when you get out, when you go to work or when you go to school or wherever you're going, you get up, you get out of the same uh, side of the bed every day, right? You have a morning routine. You pull out of your driveway, you drive down your street the same way. So all, everything's familiar. Mm-hmm. That's how you, you're living your life. You go down the same street all the time to go to, to your job. You don't take different streets. You go down the same street. Everything that's familiar with you. Okay, so can I just share something with you? Yes. Some of us are a little different. We like to take different routes. Do you take different routes? I do. Do you? <laughs> I do. It's like that freeway analogy, okay, right? But see, I, like to, I like to see new see, things. That's that's that leadership in you. <laughs> no. You want to explore. No, no, no. That's that. You know what? I think all of us, some of us know that, you know, part of the well-being classes, we took a character strengths survey, okay, yeah. right? And mine, one of mine was creativity. That was my number one. And I, I can understand now at the time when I saw creativity, like, how does that, you know, what does that mean? <laughs> What does that mean? There you go, right? And and but I got creativity. There, see? Cu- curiosity. Yeah, so I have love of learning, creativity, and, you know, um, leadership, bravery, leadership. Um, but I have to tell you something. I love the creativity of going to different places and learning about where other things that are around me. Mm-hmm. So, yes, some people like the, you know, like the familiar path. No, but no. Okay, so let me, let me, let me rephrase that because <laughs> it's not about what you like and it's not about your creativity. Mm. It's what you know, what yeah. you're used to. Right. Right. So, like, for instance, when, when you leave Antelope Valley and you go down to L.A., mm-hmm. how do you go? Sometimes I take the um, Pear Blossom Highway. 
okay. over the Angeles Forest. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I take the 14 to the 5. Sometimes I take the 14 to the 10. <laughs> but, to you the take, two. but you take the 14. Every once in a while, I try to stay off the 14. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. And I like taking Sierra Highway all the way through Santa Clarita. So, yeah, see, that, I know. I know. <laughs> My point is, <laughs> okay, what's your most point, people <laughs> do things because it's familiar. They take the same road, they get dressed the same, they maybe brush their teeth first, maybe didn't eat breakfast, didn't have coffee, or whatever their morning routine is. They're, they do the same thing every day over and over because of their prefrontal cortex, because it's their experience. Mm-hmm. So it's everything that they're familiar with. Mm-hmm. It's not that they want to or their curiosity. It's what they're familiar with. And they're comfortable with that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I'm, un- I'm comfortable with the uncomfortable, I guess. But that's great, though. <laughs> that's not a bad thing. I don't know. Sometimes I'm I like, think that's maybe why I should have done that. Well, I think that's why you're a fixer. <laughs> okay. Because you know how we'll get off that. Right? We'll get off that topic right now, real quick. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I like the exploration. I like right. to explore. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I love where we live. We have the mountains right in back of us, right? Mm. The Angeles, you know, National Forest. So sometimes I like to just get in my car on the weekends. And if, even if it's by, you know, I'm usually by myself. And I just drive up. And I find all these beautiful little campgrounds. There's lots of lakes up there that a lot of people don't know about. I like to do the, to do the exploration thing. I like to do that and go on hikes on my, you know, on my own. And the reason why is because it keeps me, um, it keeps me, if you will, feeling like I have beautiful things around me. And there's always something new. And there's always something that you know, is worthwhile to learn and to explore. So I, I always, you know, a lot of my friends, I'm like, come with me, come with me, come with me. And, you know, they know me at, at this point and they say, okay, you're not going to stop until I say yes, right? I'm like, right. exactly. Yeah. So, but as a result, we get to try new restaurants, we get mm-hmm. to try, you know, new things. And that's, for me, I think that's what keeps me, if you will, those are my jolts of joy mm-hmm. that keeps new experiences happening for me, right. right? No matter what is going on in my life, there's always something new. Right. Which is kind of, for me, cool. Um, but everybody's different, right? Everybody's different. And again, um, in the leadership, you know, and you probably experience this too, when you're in leadership and you're trying to do community work, a lot of times people may be saying to you, I shouldn't say a lot of times, sometimes, people say, well, you're not doing enough, right? You're not doing enough. Or, you know, you should be doing this. And I always tell, I always share with the folks that, you know, I'm working with or partnering with that, you know what, you're doing just fine. Mm-hmm. Because if there's something that somebody thinks you're not doing, they can either help you do it or they can share some experience that they have that can help support you to do it, mm-hmm. right? Or they can help do it, do it for you, right? right? So my, my thing with, with um, young folks that are wanting to become leaders or managers and supervisors and part of the coaching that I do is, you know what, if, you're, if you want to help your team grow, you have to be willing to listen to what they want to tell you, but it doesn't always necessarily mean you have to agree with them. Mm-hmm. Right? You can agree to disagree. Right. And constructive criticism is good, but sometimes as a supervisor, as a manager, as a leader... Sometimes you're going to have to let them do it, even though you know it may not work. Even though you know it may not work, 
you may have to let them learn that lesson themselves. I agree with it. And be there to pick up the pieces to help them, right? Mm. Because sometimes they have to learn for themselves. And, um, and I've always, you know, I always say in leadership, you end up praying a lot. You end up praying a lot because you want to let your team grow, and in order to let your team grow, you got to let them do it sometimes. But you know what? I, I actually just did that um, last week um, on my, my new show that I did. Uh-huh. Um, uh, my partner, he uh, he hasn't done a show in, I want to say, four or five years. So <laughs> when I hit the record button, I was like, all right, come on, let's go. He was like, wait, I'm not ready. And I was like, nope, let's go. Like, because I, I, mm-hmm. I, I did that because I wanted to see how he was going to perform under pressure. Mm-hmm. And he actually did pretty well. Mm-hmm. I, I knew he was a little nervous, but he did, he did pretty well. And um, so I get what you're saying. Like, sometimes I do that with people because I want to see how well they're going to do. Well, it's, it's basically what I call, I don't like to say pushing, but you're nudging them. Yeah. You're nudging them to go beyond what they think are mm-hmm. their boundaries so that they can actually see that they are capable of doing more. Right. Right? And for, for me personally, I feel like sometimes I get stuck, so that's why I, I'm always looking for new challenges, right? Mm-hmm. Because getting stuck and doing the same old, same old doesn't work for me either. Yeah. You know, it gets kind of boring, actually. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's why the beauty of community work is there's always something good happening there's always something positive happening right something for us to support mm-hmm. and here in the animal valley there's a ton of stuff happening ton yeah yeah and so you know you there's always volunteer opportunities you just have to be willing to look for the volunteer opportunities mm-hmm. right and you and i both know when you volunteer and at the end of a a good volunteer effort don't you feel good i always feel good do you yeah. feel good 100%, yeah yes. and you met you met new people i mean new people yeah yeah new building friends. relationships with other people right. yeah i like it so can i go back to what kind of leader you think you are i don't know <laughs> it's hard you know what it's, it's hard to answer that question with you because i already know you know the answer to it but <laughs> so yeah, but I don't, I'm not, you but what do you who do you i mean you know there's different types of leadership so what kind of leader do I, you think I you are? I feel like I am a hands-on leader. Like, I'm not the type of leader to say, hey, you go do this, you do that. Like, I'm in the trenches with you. Okay. I'm more of a lead by example. Okay. I, that's what I feel. Like, I feel like I, I lead by example. Okay. Like, I would never ask you to do something that I won't do or can't do. Mm, that's a good, that's good leadership. Yeah. You don't ever ask anybody to do something you won't do yourself. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I feel like I, I do hold that. And what type of leaders do you work best with? Because, you know, sometimes when you have a room full of leaders, they don't always have the same opinion, right? They don't always see the same vision the same way. Trust me. I'm going through that right now. (laughs) I didn't know this very well. You know, sometimes you can have very different visions. You know, same goal, but different visions and how how to get there, right? right? And that's where sometimes conflicts happen. But what kind of leaders do you work well with, do you think? I guess it depends on the, on the project or what I'm doing. Okay. Let's say you're, you're doing a multicast bot podcast, right? Mm-hmm. On the same subject, and it's, it's you know, three different um, communities at the same time. And you have three different people that have three different ideas. How would you work with that? Me, personally, um, I would listen to all three ideas first. Get everybody's opinion on on what would work and what would not work what wouldn't work mm-hmm. 
um, and the solutions behind them. Mm-hmm. If someone was um, to say, okay, I, w- I would want to do it this way, but if I'm like, okay, I don't believe that'll work, then what's what's the solution? Mm-hmm. Like, you got to explain to me why it won't work or why you don't think it'll work. Would part of it, though, be figuring out what the ultimate objective is? Yes. Okay. And and having that conversation? Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, that's sometimes not so easy. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> that's sometimes not so easy. It's it's right? not. Um, I actually would, just went through, I just went through a situation um, with that just the other day, and I had a so-called leader hang up on me. <laughs> like, okay. You know what? For any of us that have have done this if you haven't had someone hang up on you something's not right you, I, I, somebody I, has to hang up on you, I mean, you I think know, throughout I, the career like <laughs> i was i was honestly i was kind of over the conversation because I, I i saw where the conversation was going so i was kind of over it and i was like um they asked me am i okay and i'm like i'm good but were you really i, I told them i was disappointed but i said i'm, I'm good because I'm the type of person like, okay, if you're not going to do it, I'll do it. Again, going back to like, I would never ask you to do something I won't do. And I, and I learned that my mentor taught me that a long time ago. And that's why I have a lot of skill sets. I can do my job or a, run a production. I can run everything by myself because I'm not going to sit there and wait on you. If you're not going to do it, then I'll do it. So with this conversation, I was asking this person to do something and they were just like, they wouldn't do it for whatever reason. So when they asked me if I was good, I said, you know what, I'm a little disappointed, but I'm good. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. You know, um, but they got mad at because I said I was good. I think they wanted me to beg them or something. And I was like, I don't chase nobody or beg nobody. So they hung up on me. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. No, no, no. That's, that's, that, would, that would be a conversation that I would say wasn't quite as healthy. It wasn't healthy. And that's it, why I said I was over the conversation because yeah. I saw where it was going. Because to me... I was already um, over the conversation a week prior because we had addressed it in the email. So for me to even have this conversation over the phone, when I thought the phone call was supposed to be about something else, I was over it. So that's why I said I thought the conversation, I saw where the conversation was going. It was going backwards and I was trying to move forward. And I was like, that's why I said, you know what, I'm good. So then let me ask you a question. That's sometimes we have to put boundaries around ourselves, Right. Right. So how do you put boundaries around yourself when you're working with somebody like that? Um, one, I, I, I expressed my um, intent mm-hmm. and intentions, mm-hmm. uh, and I was very clear about it. And I even apologized more than I should have, you know. Um, but So why'd you do that? Why? Yeah, why'd you apologize? Because, because sometimes I know... Um, Accountability. Okay. I can see I can see the um, mistake that I made and my part my part of it I should say. And you were willing to acknowledge that. Exactly. Okay. And and I'm always willing to acknowledge that because I know it takes two people to have a miscommunication or a misunderstanding. Maybe I delivered something wrong, delivered to you wrong, mm-hmm. and I take responsibility and accountability for that. So. And when did you learn that? When did you learn how to manage that? Manage it. Yeah. I mean, you just basically said that. You're taking accountability for it. So at what point in your life did you figure out that that's what you had to do? Don't therapy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you therapy. for saying that. No, therapy. Yeah. Therapy taught me a lot, yeah. Hmm. Okay. And, and But, you know, it, a lot of people 
don't realize that when you're taking accountability for your actions, it's not for the other person. Right. That was for me. Right. <laughs> like, that's what, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Yeah. Like, for instance, with my dad, you know, I, I never had a relationship with my father, you know, and he passed away maybe like five years ago, I think. Um, so three months prior to that, I finally made peace with him mm-hmm. to him passing away. But it was for me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't for him. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it was all for me. And I, I, and I, and I, and I live my life like that now. Like when I'm apologizing to you, I'm doing that for me, not for you. And, you know, I agree with you. And part of it is it is for ourselves, right? right? And how I would express it, the way I ex- express what you just said was I have to manage my own expectations, right? I need to manage my expectations of the other person. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I may be unrealistic in my expectations of the other person, right? And so when I hear them talking, it's like, well, wait a second. Maybe, you know, I need to readjust because maybe what I was thinking that they could do or should do or, you know, I want them to do was not realistic of me, right? right? So I constantly am going back and managing my own expectations so that I can help be supportive of somebody else to succeed because if I can't manage my own life and my own expectations, then that means that, you know, I'm going to consistently set people up and myself to fail. No, and, and I don't want to do that. That's one thing that I learned in therapy. Um, I learned that we have to accept people for who we who they are, not who we want them to be. Exactly. And that sometimes in, especially in relationships, that's not always so easy. It's not. <laughs> it's not always But so easy. you know, and but I'm glad you uh, brought up um, expectations because I remember having a conversation with you uh, early on <laughs> and you asked me about my expectations towards another person. Mm-hmm. And ever since you said, like, when I listen to people, especially people like you, like, things stick with me. And that that has always stuck with me. So now when I do get into some type of conflict or whatever with another person or coworker or teammate, whatever, I do sit back and reflect, okay, what were my expectations of this person? And it could be the fact that they didn't understand what your expectation was of them, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes I, and to be fair, I do that sometimes. And I expect, you know, big things from people. And sometimes it takes, sometimes it's small steps to get to that big thing, right? Right. And that means that I need to manage my own expectations of how we're progressing forward. Right. And um, that means managing myself. But, you know, it's easy to fall into that loop. And I'm going to tell you why, because a lot of people talk a big game, Mm. but their actions show very small. But so when someone is talking a big game, then, yeah, now we have these big expectations. Right. But we have to learn. Okay, I need to see actions first. But here's here's what I would. This is a little twist to that. Okay, I would say you can start off with a big vision and big expectations and big ideas. Right. Sometimes it's baby steps. Or small steps. I wouldn't say baby steps. Small steps to get to that bigger vision. And sometimes, you're, you know, you're, it's like you're climbing a mountain. You want to reach that, that peak, right? Mm-hmm. To plant that flag at the top of the mountain. But every so often, you reach this plateau, right? This resting point. Right. And then you kind of have to reevaluate. Do I have all the tools? Do I have everything I need? Do I have the supplies to get to the next place, mm-hmm. the next plateau before I can reach that peak? And sometimes it's adjusting and yeah. saying, wait, I don't have all the equipment that I need, right? So how can I get that equipment? How, what do I need? What additional things do I need so that I can continue that climb? And for me, you know, it's always 
make sure when you're managing, you know, you have your benchmarks, right? Mm. You got to have your benchmarks to get to that big vision and stop thinking just because you're not there immediately, you're going to end up, you know, failing. It's not a failure. You've had successes. You just need to be patient and manage your expectations on when you get there. That's kind of how I feel about things. Oh, I, I say it all the time. Um, I feel like you listen to my show a lot. Um, <laughs> I, say, I say that a lot. I do listen. I, I, no, I tell people <laughs> to have, you know, big goals, right, but don't have these big actionable steps. Mm. Like take the smaller steps because they make the biggest impact. Yeah, the benchmarks. Get, yeah. Make sure that you're successful with, you know, benchmarking your success. But um, so, Mike, you know what? Ask me any question because I've been asking you a lot of questions. So go ahead and ask any questions. Oh, great, Jack. I had a list right here. Oh, no. <laughs> I was wondering when I was going to be able oh, no. to get to my list. Oh. <laughs> because between you and Nicole, the lady that was here earlier, she actually wants to do a podcast. Uh, she wants to come on my show because she's been on my show, but like like little little tiny segment. But she wants to do a show with her interviewing me. I think that's a good idea. I thought I it was a great idea. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, you know, we can continue the in- we can no. con- I can continue to interview you right now. Would no. you like me to do that? No, because you ask hard questions. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know. Um, well, one, one I want to know. I have a couple of questions. But okay. the first one is, where did when or when did you know that you had these leadership skills? Mm, and not at what age, but like in point of your life, like when did you? You know what? Um, I wouldn't say that I recognized they were leadership skills. I recognized that I had a specific skill set mm-hmm. and that I was um, acquiring specific skill sets mm-hmm. um, with every, you know, job, with every community activity. Um, I learned something. So I always felt like if I could learn something from something I was doing, right? I was acquiring experience. So I, I didn't, honestly, Mike, I didn't necessarily think they were leadership skill sets. They were just experiences that I could share with people and insight that, you know, um, I could help support people with. And so you call it leadership skills. I just call it experience and expertise. So you're just humble about it. No, I'm just, that's really how I feel about it. <laughs> no, 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 seriously. That's, I mean, you know, leadership Skill sets, leadership qualities, you know, it depends on who you're talking to um, and what they think is a leadership quality, mm-hmm. right? Um, different people have different, you know, definitions of what a leadership yeah. qualities are, right? And so um, from my perspective, it's if you're able to help someone or support someone with the experience that you've gained, then, you know, that's a skill set. It's not necessarily... I wouldn't deem it necessarily a leadership skill set. It's just a skill set. Mm-hmm. It's exp- it's experience. You know, um, trial and error sometimes that you've learned, right? You've learned the mm-hmm. skill set through trial and error. But, um, you know, and I appreciate when people say it's thank you for saying it was leadership skill sets, but you know what? It's just experience. It's called hard knocks, baptism by fire, right. that you learn all this stuff, right? And, you know, I've been baptized quite a bit. By fire. So. Okay, so, so, so let me ask you this question then. Mm. Why is leadership important to you? Because you, you teach it. So, yeah, I mean, you know, leadership is, um, when you're in the world of business, it, when you're in the world of, you know, um, politics, when you're in the world of community, um, there's always got to be 
people that are willing to take the step forward, mm-hmm. right? That not may not be necessarily everyone. Like I said, there's quiet leaders that lead from, you know, the re- the, from behind. Mm-hmm. But there's always got to be a face, right? And people have to be willing to, to be that face. But a lot of times, like I said, we don't always support the person that takes that, that step forward. If something happens, and it may be completely out of their control, but something happens that they are accountable for, and the world starts beating up on them, mm-hmm. right? People scatter. And yeah. so for, for the, you know, the mentoring and the coaching, it's like preparing people to understand that you're not always going to be you know, praised, that you're not always going to have people show gratitude. Mm-hmm. If you're a leader, that means that sometimes you're going to have to hold people accountable, and those people are not going to be happy about it, and people don't like change. A lot of people don't like change. I right. learned that the hard way, right? It's like, even if it's positive change, they don't like change because, like you said, they're familiar, they're comfortable, mm-hmm. right? So why, why change? Well, sometimes we do need to change in order to move forward. Right. And especially in our community, especially in the world of politics, especially in business. But um, a lot of people have a tough time with that. So leadership... The people who's the manager, the people that are at the front, have to learn how to accept when things don't always, you know, aren't always as good as they want them to be. Mm-hmm. And so giving them tools for when they experience those hardship is really important to me because, you know, I understand what that's like. And it's hard when you come home at the end of the day and you look in the mirror or you or you kind of say to yourself, what was I thinking? Right. <laughs> Why did I do that? What was I thinking? Right? And I always tell people at the end of the day, you know, when you have that question, again, just look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know what? I know I did the best I could. Right. I did the best I could. And here are some tools for you to kind of make yourself feel a little bit better. And that is important because we, I don't think leadership, leaders aren't necessarily trained. Mm-hmm. They kind of, yeah. they just kind of end up being leaders, right? Mm-hmm. They, they're not necessarily trained to be leaders. And then there are people who think they're leaders <laughs> that do need the training. <laughs> yes, 100% on that. So, I don't know. I hope that answers the question. It does. Okay, good. It does. Um, you know, I, I always go, in, go into any type of decision-making or, like, leadership role knowing, already knowing that, you know what, I'm okay with the decisions I'm going to make. Because I know I'm going to give it my best, my best effort and do the best I can. Good for you. Good for you. I mean, you know, I, I think that if a lot of us had that mindset, we'd probably do a lot better. <laughs> but I mean, but that's all you can do, the best you can. That is trying. It's, it's going back to expectations. If someone has a bigger expectation of you, like, that's on them, not you. But have you ever thought to yourself, at the end of the day, I could have done better? Well, yeah, we all can do better. There's always room for improvement. That's why, like, on, on, on questionnaires or surveys, mm-hmm. when they ask you zero to ten, I always, always go, I never go to nine or ten. There's, there's always room for improvement. Mm-hmm. I'm never at a ten. If you're at a ten, then what's next? Like, there's nothing. Well, that goes back to what we were saying. If you stop learning, you stop growing. Right, exactly. Right? Yeah. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> you don't talk about leadership no more? <laughs> We can talk about leadership all day. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and you know what? It's yes. hard. And you know, it's not easy to be a leader. 
So. Okay. Well. Um, so thank you for all of you who are out there, you know, taking that leadership role. It's thanks. not easy. Thank you. Yeah. You make it look easy, though. <laughs> wow. I can't believe you just said so that. No, I don't. You, you really do. <laughs> I mean, if anyone has ever sat and listened to you talk, you really do. You're easy on the ear. You make sense of a lot of things. Most people don't. Like, sometimes you can listen to people, and this goes into my, my next question about being a motivational speaker. Mm. Most people that think they're motivational speakers, they, it's hard to understand them. Like, I actually had, the reason why, I don't know if, I, if you know this story, how I started the whole podcast was because um, during the pandemic, you know, we were doing Zooms. And I had a small group of people that I was um, coaching as far as, like, cryptocurrency and all that, right? And then I had another guy. My group was small, but he had a bigger group, and he was, like, my mentor, Mm -hmm. right? But we would do these Zoom calls once a week, like, my group and his group together. And I had this one lady um, message me one day that was part of his group, and she was like, Mike, you and and -and so-and-so says the same thing. (laughs) She was like, but... I can't understand him. Like, I don't, I don't know where he, where he be going, but I understand you. Like you make sense to me. And it was funny because she was like, even though your voice is funny, you make sense to me. Your voice is funny. Yeah. She said my voice was funny. Okay. I, I, I didn't know what to take it as a compliment or like it was, what? It was, it was a compliment. So. <laughs> so, but I understand, I understood what she said because even before all that, I used to listen to a bunch of interviews like people that I just admire, like, you know, Jay-Z, the Will Smith, the, you know, Eric Thomas, Mel Robbins, like all these people, I listened to their interviews, not their work, but their interviews, because I wanted to see what they were saying and how consistent they was, what they were saying in their interviews. So I used to listen to a lot of interviews and, but certain people only connect, I only connected with certain people. So when she said that to me, it just made sense like, wow, everybody's not going to listen to my podcast. Everybody's not going to connect with me. But as long as I get that one person that does it, it just makes me feel better. Why do you think, why do you think you connected with her? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like I never Did met you this. ask, did you ask her? No, I didn't. I never even met this lady. I think she was in another state somewhere. I, I've never even met her. Oh, it'd be interesting to ask why she felt you connected with her. What was it about what you were saying mm-hmm. that made her feel that, you know, she understood you more so than the other person? Yeah. Like I said, me and him, we both, because we was reading from the same, it wasn't the script, but we, we both was teaching the same thing. So we were saying the same thing. He just said it differently because of his style and my style is just different. So we just delivered things differently, but she just connected better. Like she understood me better. So if somebody was to ask you, Mike, uh, you know, how do I connect with people when I'm speaking to them? What would you tell them? How would? How how can I? Let's say a, a stranger came up to you, uh-huh. and you were instructing them on mm-hmm. a podcast, and they said, "What's your best advice to connect with people?" Find someone that you can relate to. Mm. I, I mean, that's what I do. I, I find someone that I can relate to that kind of went through the same struggles that I did to where. I, I have something relatable now. Now I understand a little better on, a, on what they're saying and how they're saying it. Mm-hmm. So when you see body, you know, body reactions, facial mm-hmm. reactions, right? Eye contact. If you're in a room with a lot of people, you single out, right? A 
a couple of people and you kind of watch them mm-hmm. and to see if they're getting what you're saying. Yeah. And if they're getting what you're saying, you know you're reaching somebody, right? right. And if you, you they look like they're like not understanding or falling asleep or yawning like some people do, mm-hmm. then you know you got to change tactics, right? Yes, um, but for me, when, when I'm speaking in front of a group of people, I really try to focus on, like I try to find that one person yeah. that is, that's present, right? That's right. present in the room. Right. And I try to stay on them. Right. Because if you look at it from a whole, especially from a, a new person that does, you know, speaking, um, I just focus on one person. Post okay, you are not new at speaking. Don't don't even try to tell me you're new at speaking. You have a podcast. What are you, you saying? You <laughs> you totally diverted this conversation I did, back I? to me. I you, did. You, you just pulled what Brittany did on the last show because she did the same thing. I'm and this is new. A lot of my guests never done this before. All of a sudden, I feel like you guys got together and everybody just started no, asking no, no. me over the no over the last few shows. People started asking me questions. I'm like that. So you just need to know, I do watch your show. I know you do. And I do listen. And so, you know, sometimes it's good to hear from you what your experiences are. And so I came with intent today. You did? I did. I came with intent to answer your questions that you had for me, but also to get to have people hear a little bit more about you. But I feel like people know me. You know what? People say that, but there's always something new about a person. That is true. You know, you always Because we grow every day. That's right. But also, if you're listening and there's different mm-hmm. people trying to have that conversation with you, sometimes it comes out differently. That is true. Mm-hmm. Right? That is true. So, did you answer my question or did you divert it back? I diverted it back because I, I wanted to know about your motivational speaking. Like, um, I, <laughs> I wanted to know like, where did that come from? Um, that came from, actually, um, I worked, as, as some people may know, as you know, I worked in the world of politics. Yes. And so um, I, you know, represented my elected official, the elected officials I worked for. So I was constantly making presentations and I was constantly going out and doing community meetings. And so the motivational speaking for me was how do you get a group of constituents that are out there that are not happy about something? (laughs) How do you turn that situation around to the end of the meeting? And then all of a sudden, okay, we don't completely read, but we get it. Right. Right. And that to me was, I think, the birth of me trying to, you know, motivate people to think differently. Hmm. It was me trying to, you know, find a way to connect with people, to have them see things at a bigger picture, at a broader, at a broader, broader spectrum. Hmm. And, you know, to have them feel better about themselves <laughs> when they walk out of the room and, or better about the situation before they, you know, before they leave. They may have walked into the room thinking, this is horrible, it's all negative, and then having them walk out feeling, well, maybe this isn't so bad, or, boy, this is really terrific. I think that was the start of the motivation, and, and part of it was also the, the team that I work with and the people that you know, I used to partner with and who used to work with me and for me, you know, part of it is how do you have conversations with them that motivate them to be better than themselves, mm-hmm. better than they think they can, right? right? And so, um, and a lot of times it was... It started out for me in one-on-one conversations with team members. Mm-hmm. And it's like asking them what they wanted to do and then helping and supporting and motivating them to try and achieve that. So that's where that came from. Nice. <laughs> Great answer. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. <laughs> okay. What, what else? You, I know you're dying to ask me another question. <laughs> no, I, I can I, feel I'll it. Be, I'll, I'll be 
good in the sense that, well, okay, so you said, so I am going to ask, okay. right? So in 2024, what is your biggest, what is the one big thing you want to accomplish and achieve? In 2024? Yeah, this year. This new year, brand new year. We're only it, in the second week. I know. I know. Was I supposed to have this already written now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, should have been part of what? the New Year's resolution, but go ahead. <laughs> um, I just actually had that conversation. So I, don't, I don't really do New Year's resolutions. Okay, forget the New Year's resolution. What do you want to accomplish? <laughs> What's what? the big thing you want to accomplish? Now, not for the community, not for, the, for yourself. For myself? For yourself. Um, I want to... That's a hard question to answer. Why is it a hard question to answer? Because I, I, I just want to, that's why I have New Year's resolutions. Like, I just want to be better every day. That's a good answer. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't, it's nothing about material or like you said, like the show or anything. Like, for me personally, I just want to be a better person every day. Like, I want to, I want to, I want to continue to grow. And how are you going to make that happen for yourself? Um, by steady reading and um, learning and uh, educating myself. And having conversations with a whole vast amount well, yeah. of different people, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> that goes without that's, saying, though. Everybody knows that that's, about me. That's a good goal for 2024. You know, that's a realistic goal because yeah. a lot of people have unrealistic goals. Yeah, and that's why I don't do the whole New Year's resolution because everybody do that, and by the end of January, they're all gone and... Okay, we're not talking about New Year's resolution. <laughs> right. We're not talking about that. But so. but no, but even like with the new year, like I don't like people, like, okay, new year, new me and all that. And it's like, no, I want to start today and be just to be a better person from the continuance of my journey, whatever that is. Okay. Like it's not about a new year or nothing. It's like I'm starting today. Like, And you're going to do every day you wake up, it's going to be a new process, yes. right? Yes. New adventure, right? Yes. And learning how to struggle well through all of this. Uh, and we got back to well-being. Yes. Okay. <laughs> no. And, but you know what? Seriously, like this past week, I, I actually, this was the first week um, that I actually went through a roller coaster ride, right? Like mm -hmm. I had, a, I think I went through every emotion this week. But I'm so proud of myself because look how happy I am. Like I struggled well through it. And that's what it's all about, isn't yes. it? Yes. Right? Like, I, I really struggled well through it. and, and I Struggle think, well function effectively, correct? Yes, 100%. <laughs> and that's, like, the other day I was thinking about that. Um, I was like, wow, I just went through a roller coaster week, but I got through it, and, and I got through it effectively. Like, And so well-being, the term for well-being is? <laughs> well-being. You just said it. Well, yeah. It's it's struggling well, struggling func well. functionally, functionally. Oh my gosh! Now I I you gave it to me. I gave you what? <laughs> you my the, the tongue twisters here. It's basically well being is the is the what? It's it's, it's basically it's functioning well. No, no, I know. I'm trying to think of the the phrase that they use. Um, well being is the is a is the function. No. Oh my God, Lisa! You just <laughs> did this to look, me. Gonna, it's it's basically you're you're you know struggling well, functioning effectively. That's really what it is. I oh, know, but so, what's the other saying? 
Mm, I don't know, but that's the one we use. <laughs> that's the one I use. So, you know, whenever I'm struggling well, because, you know, it's a struggle sometimes for some of us every single day, right? Yeah. Sometimes it's harder than others, other days. But, um, you know, no matter what happens, every day we get up, we're going to face some kind of challenge. And ha- it's how we struggle right. through the challenge, right? Mm-hmm. And then get through it on the other end. Um, that is something that I think I actually did come away with um, through the... Um, positive well-being classes that we took right um that it's okay to not be okay but i always end up saying it's okay to not be okay but just don't stay there <laughs> i tell people that all the time yeah just some don't stay there some people don't believe me though <laughs> why don't they believe you i don't know because they're still there well know. you know what they have to they have to decide when for themselves no i get that part you know um but I have no more questions for you, so thank you for answering all my questions, Mr. Mike. So I actually wrote, because, you know, at the end of our um, class, we had to write what mm-hmm. well-being meant to us. Mm-hmm. So I had to write, write it down. Um, as so well as let, I want to hear it, so tell me. Share it with well-being me. is the heart and soul of positive psychology. It gives us the tools to thrive and function effectively through our daily ups and downs in life so that we can feel good and struggle well. And there you go. That's a good explanation. Yes. That's a good answer. So, again, thank you, Mr. Mike, for having me on the show. I've, had, I've enjoyed myself. I've enjoyed having you answer questions for me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I thank you for the questions. <laughs> and um, thank you for letting me share you know, um, some information with folks. I, I, I think that what you're doing is really important. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you for coming here. Thank you for being a friend. You know what? Feeling is mutual. And, you know, I'll come back anytime you ask me and, you know, we'll laugh. We'll have a great time. As we always do. <laughs> exactly. We have great conversations and I appreciate <laughs> exactly. you for them. But I, I do have one more thing for you. Uh-oh. Okay. You have to leave me with something. What's that? A thought, a quote. A thought or a quote? Something you want to leave. You know what? We can always be better than we are today. We can dream, we can achieve our dreams and accomplish our dreams as long as we believe in ourselves. And that may not always be easy, but it's something that we know that we have to do for ourselves. And so be kind to yourself. Be gracious for your, to yourself. And, you know, And when you don't feel okay, just remember, when you're kind to other people around me, around you, around us, that kindness will come back tenfold. Yes. Does that work? That was beautiful. (laughs) I loved it. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Absolutely, thank you. No, thank you for for blessing me today with your presence, as always. Truly appreciate it. I'm grateful for you, Mike. Just know that. I'm grateful that you are in this world with us. So thank you. Oh, thank you. That means a lot. Coming from you. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye, you guys. We're out of here. <laughs>